there. This is episode 250 by Zoak. I'm going to say, just screaming the logo, go live, or all they see is the logo. <clears throat> and then say, hey, hey, Podnutians, welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 250. This show is brought to you by Patreon supporters, not by ads, because it's been proven now in at least one study, ads help towards depression. Um, We don't want our listeners more depressed than they already are because you know everything um this show is brought to you by our patreon zoke zoke is an unbelievably cool guy i thank him for all the interactions he's given me through the years and the support and now i gotta take a pause and say everything podnuts does podnuts does for podnutsians um a dear good guy friend of the network um today on um august the 16th uh his wife passed away um and i also say it like this um i'm not gonna say my thoughts and prayers are are with you christian i will say i'm here for you now until i no longer exist um thank you for all your support throughout the years and never ever forget always support those who support you uh thank you zoke and christian for all your support and again speaking of support we also have bruce patterson how's everything going man Door, everything is going pretty good. Wow, it sounds like 2020 deserves a big middle finger. Well, I mean, you know, we as human beings always believe, oh my God, it's the end of the world. It never turns out to be the end of the world. That doesn't mean it's not good. Uh, and right now, I'll just say, uh, I've had a couple people I know have had really, really bad things happen to them. And all I can do is just offer support and offer, you know, um, communication offer someone to talk to. Um, I will say in my 30 plus years in my, when I was born to 30 years old of not talking, I learned listening is incredibly valuable and it's the only way that you learn. Uh, you never learn anything from talking except how stupid you sound. Um, so listening is a great trait, especially when someone just needs to vent. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, listening, um, actually, uh, uh, one of our listeners, Chris Ferguson, we were talking about um, DuckDuckGo and a couple of search engines a couple of shows back. And um, he wanted to mention that uh, to get good search results without ads in DuckDuckGo, just simply put an exclamation point, lowercase g, ahead of your search string. He said, try it. You'll like it. Well, and just the simple fact that DuckDuckGo allows you to do that should be like a, a KPI, a key progress indicator that they allow it. Uh, and if you don't do it, well, then it's your own damn fault. Um, so I'm okay with a company making connections with other people to try to butter their biscuit, if you will, but then allowing you as the end user to just put a simple little thing in your search query and then completely obfuscate those ads. Um, so I give DuckDuckGo a thumbs up. Well, surprisingly, around here at least, uh, on uh, the Bloomberg Network, uh, they've been advertising. And uh, that's usually a little unheard of. So I'm hoping that that's generating enough money, but uh, apparently not enough to save some of the jobs over at Mozilla this past week. Well, I will say this. I got in the most nicest possible way which I'll say in 2020 seems incredibly rare again. Uh, I got educated on our Discord server to please take a look at the Mo Mozilla 
company versus Mozilla Foundation, two completely different entities with completely different goals. One is, I don't want to say profit-driven, but corporate-driven, enterprise-driven. The other one is free Libra information-driven, and they're not the same thing. They're two different companies. Um, They kind of blamed the COVID for their terminations. They kind of also said because of COVID, they had, they've had to repivot, redo some of their short-term goals. Um, what I hope is that they got rid of those 250 people. Hopefully maybe they can bring some of them back and hopefully they can maybe hire even more people because they did also renew their deal with the Goog to be the default search engine in Firefox, which I want to say is going to bring them. If I read correctly, something like, Two hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, that's probably pocket change to Google. Well, what isn't pocket change to Google is what I will say. Um, yeah, and I do have a link. It was actually, it was it, this, this. This is a weird site. I'm not gonna lie, people. G Hacks is a site that has been appearing more and more in my stream and feeds. I don't know why, but uh, G Hacks has Google and Mozilla to extend search deal, according to reports. And it's yeah, between 400 and 450 million dollars per year for the privilege of becoming the Firefox default search engine. Now, this was days at least five to six days after Mozilla had no choice but to let 250 people go. Hopefully, some of those people now are able to come back. That's all I got to say. Well, I know that a few things. Uh, it looks like the outlook for some companies are not as dire as it was initially said. In fact, there was actually a report even today for the esteemed Harvard University. They initially had uh, told the school that they're going to have to cut 3% off of the 5% endowment that they released to the uh, school. And because of the uh, numbers looking a lot better, they said, nope, we changed our mind. We're giving you the full 5%. So no jobs are lost, at least for the Ivy League school. So there are there is a silver lining for some folks. Well, and I, and I did say at the very beginning of this, and if you don't believe me, I don't care. I did say there's right now is the time to invest because certain companies are going to make a killing because they're going to be the ones who are able to pivot quick enough and make the right decisions and make money because it is a great opportunity event. Because of this, we're going to have certain things that didn't exist that are now going to become a reality to where you can cash in on those things. But also, secondarily, if you are willing to sit down and take the time, it's also a great time to invest in yourself because I think we all should be able to agree we've had a, a, a little bit more, uh, in air quotes, free time because, you know, the COVID. Because quite literally, I still work eight hours a day, but my bathroom is four times closer to me. My food is about 80 times closer to me. And my commute is, I want to say, 8,460 times quicker because I just got to walk down the stairs. Well, for me, I just need to fall down them and already there. I I do think I've done that a couple times, Bruce. <laughs> well, I, I guess one of the things that is interesting, too, is that, you know, for people our age, we're not necessarily spring chickens by any stretch, but um, this is probably a good time for folks in our age to really consider a second skill set, maybe start working on a few other things, because, you know, interestingly enough, despite all of the data proving that we actually 
are the best, most reliable workers in the workforce, it is still the number of folks that are easily cut from the payroll when the time comes. So that's something to keep you uh, up at night if you needed more. Well, we do work more, but unfortunately, we also cost more, okay? Now, I'm going to say this really quick, but then i got to do a quick tangent. Um, I did share a link out earlier in the week, and it, it will be in the notes. It's 100% off Linux Mastery Complete Linux Course for Beginners at Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, coupon. Um, look, this guy is not Linus Torvalds teaching the course, okay? This is not even a Stephen J. Nichols. Von Nichols teaching the course. This is just a guy who knows a fair amount about Linux providing his course, and it's 100% free. So if you want to advance your career, and let me tell you something, in 2020, it's a great time to advance your career. If you learn Linux, if you're a Windows guy or a Mac guy or a BSD guy or a firewall guy or a desktop support guy or a printer guy or a Xerox guy or a OCR scanner guy or whatever, if you learn another operating system, it will only help you out in the future. So there's a 100% off Linux mastery course. I'm literally halfway through it. Uh, and it's obvious this guy's not stupid. Um, he's obviously not Linus Torvalds, okay? But he has said a couple things in a couple way that makes me question how I describe processes, functions, and how to do things in Linux. So he's definitely, I think, uh, a good a person to listen to for at least some people. Okay. Now, quick tangent, Bruce. I have had my uh, HP Z book lock up on me like three times this week. So I panicked, didn't know what to do. I said, I'm going to run a uh, G smart control check on the hard drive. And then I'm going to reinstall Linux from, you know, not from scratch. Sorry. Reinstall a new Linux. Well, I just heard there was a new point release for the, the Ubuntu's, which is what I run because it's stable as hell. So I said, I'm going to run 2004, which is the latest LTS. I install it now. I don't need to worry about it for like five plus years. Well, I installed it and everything was working. Install all my tools I need. Everything seems to be working. Then I install Mumble and it ain't working. I go to load Mumble and it says it cannot connect to the server that me and Bruce are using right now because it's using an older encryption standard. And I panicked. And this was like less than 30 minutes before showtime. And I panicked. So me and Bruce right now are chatting. The video is going through my HPZ book. The audio is actually being ran through my Pinebook Pro right now. So this is like the first step. This is like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade taking the leap of faith. I'm now recording this show's audio live on an ARM based processor and it literally scares the hell out of me well don't worry i've got backup on this end so we're rock solid <laughs> well any podcaster worth his weight in salt which i really i did a lot of education on that term right there there's a lot of history in that term worth his weight in salt um you always have multiple backups and right now i have three backups running at once because i have my recording bruce's recording my other computer's recording I, and then I have the YouTube recording. So I'm fine. If right now my house catches on fire, we'll still be able to produce a show. Well, I can't vouch for mine because it probably will totally set on fire. Um, actually, so um, one of the other interesting stories that caught my eye this week, too, was uh, the um, Free Software Foundation has a, has a new president. You know, it took a couple of 
uh, months to get there, but they finally did. But one of the things I had mentioned before we went live is uh, I'm officially labeling them a cult. Well, okay. I'll put it like this. A lot of definitions in the English language are loosey-goosey. What I mean by that is, like, for instance, if you take a look at the definition of the word pandemic, it's extremely loose. Uh, there is no, like, number of people that need to die or number of countries that need to be infected or anything. So technically, the cold, the common cold, could be a pandemic because it infects multiple countries. And people who are really sick who catch it could pass away from it. It's weird, I know. Send your hate mail to smdcomputers.net. Uh, the fact that it took the Free Software Foundation a year, literally, I want to say 11 months and like 15 days, a year to elect a new Heil Hitler or whatever leader, it amazes me because that's the kind of incompetence I only see in government. So for them to take that long to classify them as a cult, I think it's completely fair. Well, I think what really surprised me is that maybe what took them so long was that they were looking for somebody so far out of the spotlight and maybe just barely tied to Linux or software in general that uh, this guy was not readily easily defined because this article that you're now showing us, you know, goes down the end where they say they can't even confirm the guy is from the school that he allegedly teaches. At. So it's um it's a really strange, strange article. Um, and uh, it does not scream, join us. <laughs> or maybe it does it's through subliminal messages. I just got to say, uh, MRP Tech Review Podcast on Ponus.com. He is a professional musician, okay? Literally, that's his job. He has He's part of a jazz band where he goes and performs at events. He's also a school teacher, so I feel for him. He is like the guy in the gutter who's doing all the hard work, hard labor. Um, He broke down that song that stallman did and he basically performed it as an orchestra and i gotta say he did it better than i think anybody i've ever heard before um it was i don't want to say it almost made me cry but wow it was really good um i want the fsf to be relevant i want them to be in the conversation because we always need people to question things in one of my more recent ddg podcasts I try to define to myself why it's good to be skeptical and why it's not good to be cynical. Okay. I want people to question things. I want people to challenge things. Um, the truth can always be questioned because there's a rational answer behind it. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with the F S F existing, but I'm also needing them to do more. I'm needing them to push people in Whatever they deem as being moral or ethical or progress or whatever, um, and not just like this guy seems to be like a cloak and dagger, uh, Dabney Coleman, like behind the scenes, ghostly kind of thing going on. Um, because if that's the case, they might as well just close shop and just take other money, go to Rio and enjoy the beaches. Well, if you could scroll down a little bit, let's get that picture of him again, because he, he's not even, I don't even know if there's a shirt underneath whatever he's wearing. Yeah, he's got one of those pullovers that you get when you visit Mexico for 10 bucks. It 
It almost looks like he's an extra on the Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, you know, again, it's see, it's things like this that you know would be considered a PR nightmare for most companies, but nope, things are fine here at the FSF shop. <laughs> yeah, and I know I said this before, but I'll say it again. I am very okay with the, in air quotes, and they have literal quotes on this article, the cancellation of Richard Stallman. Um, while I believe it's good for extremists to exist, because then you know how far stuff can go, um, personally, I think his inability to compromise about anything made him a no-starter on any conversation because he's like invoking the word Nazi when you, you know, the first person to say, well, he's a Nazi, he's the SS. Well, you know, they just went too far kind of thing. Um, his only talent and ability was to go too far because the herd colonel still doesn't truly exist how he wanted it to. Um, maybe I would have thought that he was canceled in air quotes, quit, fired, retired, or whatever. Now maybe he could sit down at a keyboard, of course, with completely free software and compile the herd kernel and make it usable to somebody. Because I know there's a Linux Mint version running the herd kernel, and I know there's a Debian version running the herd kernel. And if you haven't ran it, please, dear God, don't send me an email because I have, and it sucks. A lot of stuff doesn't work. Um, I was hoping he would be able to sit on his butt and now maybe be productive, but apparently he's just sitting on his butt and eating more tochis. Oh, <laughs> well, I suppose if he does have this time, it would be nice to see something. At least he had the forethought knowing uh, it was not worth the fight. And it's good that he left when he did too, because you can't defend the indefensible. And at this point, um, you know, taking any money from Epstein. It's not It's not him that was involved. It was a senior. Actually, it was an emeritus at that point. Uh, Minsky was the uh, gentleman's name uh, who was an emeritus at MIT. And uh, he and Epstein actually took a lot of money. And, um, you know, again, like I said, he at least had the forethought to realize that there wasn't going to be an even-handed fight and you cannot defend what had happened. And I'm surprised that a lot of folks haven't started to feel the ripples because Epstein's, um, I, I don't know what to even call her because it's not his wife, but uh, the accomplice in this case. Accomplice, yeah. Yeah, is uh, in jail. And, uh, you know, as far as she's concerned, you, she should be the person you're really worried about. But we'll see how it ultimately plays out. But more importantly, like I said, getting back to the Free Software Foundation, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, what are they doing these days? Because, you know, a lot of their programs are really low profile. I mean, how many times can you visit a Microsoft store and pick it out in front of it to no response whatsoever? A lot of the folks that they have at the Software Foundation are, are very young people and they're very bright people. But again, what is it getting them right now? Because I don't see movement. When you pay 120 bucks for a year's membership for that, Outside of the email that you're getting and that monthly newsletter that comes through, what are you getting? That's the larger overall question. Now, also, you are getting into Libre Planet for free, or at least a discount. And, you know, those events actually can be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, much like the Linux Foundation, who I like to call out all the time, again, 
What are you folks doing? How do you help in this environment right now? Um, yeah, that's that's my two cents. Yeah, and I think you're on the right track. And here's the way I put it. If anybody listens to anything and thinks, you know, they're fair, they're not biased. I have very sad news to tell you. They are biased. Their bias just matches your bias. That's the only difference. There's nothing in this world that isn't biased. Um, I do love the idea of Libra um, Planet. I did see those newsletters you get every month, and it is the definition of the word propaganda. It was meant to, I'm going to over-exaggerate the word, but it all those newsletters from the FSF are basically meant to poison your mind to make you believe what they believe. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're right. But it's a belief. Facts and beliefs are two different things, okay? Completely different things. Um, I'm all for people pushing companies, ecosystems, development stacks, um, software platforms, enterprises, governments, regimes, or anything to be more open with their code. Because I truly believe the only path towards security is more open. Um I'm not sure that's really what the ultimate goal of the FSF -F is. And that's the one thing I've never been able to really hammer down. What is, okay, 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 okay. The goal of firefighters is to put themselves out of a job, to make houses so safe that they're not really needed to put out fires, okay? Most things like this don't want to put themselves out of business. Hypothetically, if the FSF could put themselves out of business, what would the world look like? Would it really be better? Would it, or, or would it just be better for them? And these are the kind of questions I can't answer, but I want to know what would make them say, okay, well, I'm wiping my hands. My job is done. We have nothing more to do. What would the world look like and who would actually benefit from it? Well, the other part about it, too, is that you have two arms of the FSF. You have uh, the American, the United States one, and you've got the one over in Europe. It's interesting because uh, there are times I feel that uh, the European uh, free software, ooh, say that three times fast, um, the uh, European Free Software Foundation seems to, or at least uh, perception, shows that they are maybe a little bit more effective. They are certainly a lot more involved in uh, Munich's conversion over uh, from Windows back to Linux. So, you know, again, uh, they don't play a gigantic part, but they're there to assist, unlike the Free Software, I mean, the, the Linux Foundation. But, again, um, when it's all said and done, you're right. What does the end game look like here? Well, and if you don't have an end game, then I don't care. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to partake in you because the fight has to have a goal. It has to have an ending. Um, if you're never going to be satisfied, well, then I might as well marry you and call you my wife. <laughs> well, that's certainly a way to go about it, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I know, right. But the difference is I love my wife and she'll do a lot for me where the FSF does nothing for me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I've certainly taken that mule and beaten it into submission. <laughs> what are some of the other things you want to follow up next? Well, I mean, the one thing I wanted to honestly throw you a curveball with and ask you live on the stream is you've asked a couple times in previous episodes about what made Linux Basics 
successful and about this show, Linux for the rest of us and its future. So I'm going to ask you, what would you think would be the ideal? And I say that word and I really do hate that word. What would you want to be the ideal Linux for the rest of us in three months, six months, three years or whatever? Because I will say this, while I am like the backbone of this show, I have no backbone. I enjoy camaraderie more than I enjoy dictating what something should be. So Bruce or Jonathan, who can't be with us tonight, wants this show to go towards a certain tangent, then I'm completely on board like a a surfer in California after just getting half-baked and just having fun. (laughs) Well, I think one of the things that I really thoroughly enjoyed was the fact that you got a lot of like-minded people who had a, uh, a place to go on a Friday night, you know, and, um, you know, there were a lot of, uh, it didn't even have to be a, uh, um, you know, a question of the day and just going through, it, it was actually a very informal lug where again, a lot of like-minded people sat together and just talked about technology, you know, and actually I think a lot of it is, uh, based off of your enthusiasm for the things that you brought, but everybody else brought something valuable to the table too. I mean, you know, John Newsetter's uh, insights for things, you know, um, uh, Josh with uh, phone stuff, he was very big with that. Um, you know, I just think that there was so many ways to go about it. I mean, well, you know, one of the people that we missed a lot was uh, Reg Edit. Uh, when it came to talking about code and databases and things like that, I mean, you really couldn't beat that. I mean, we had a really good thing going here. And I think that that can exist again, growing it organically. And then maybe, you know, I think uh, figuring a way to uh, put down the clamps when one of us gets a little bit out of control. Well, I always called... Uh, the one guy, Reg Exorcist, because he seemed to be able to like draw people back from the dead uh, because he knew so much. Um, Knucklehead Tech, I still conversate with all the time, Josh, unbelievably smart guy. But here's the problem, Bruce. Everybody I communicated with back then has developed their skills, developed their traits, developed their talents into such a thing that now they have no time to do anything except work or family. Um, I have been, I think the unicorn in the crowd because I still am uh, to paraphrase you. I'm still really good at my job. I destroy my nine to five work without breaking a sweat and no one understands how I can do it. It's because I know what I'm doing. I care. and I love this stuff, but it's not overtaken the rest of my life because I made it very clear to all my employers. Every time I sit down on an interview. My father would sometimes work 60 to 80 hours a week for the 30 years of my existence. He averaged 76 hours a week. That isn't even counting the college he took. Okay. And I said to self, self, I'm never going to do that for my life. I'm going to work 40 hours a week for 30 years and no more. I don't care what you think, feel, or believe employer. I'm not answering your emails. I'm not answering your calls until the next morning. So because of that, I've allowed myself the opportunity to stick with this kind of podcasting thing. Um, I will say I will let anybody come on this show. As long as their audio doesn't suck, Jonathan's will get better. I promise you part of it is my post-production was not on point for the two episodes he's been on so far. I will get better. 
And it's just like, I'm never going to be healthy. Okay. Cause it's, it's in, it is an unrealistic thing to shoot for, but I have told my doctor I will be healthy. Er, okay. Jonathan's audio will be better. It's not going to be the best ever, but every time he comes on the show, I hope it gets better. Um, so I don't have the time to sit down and be the gatekeeper to say who can come on, who can't come on and that kind of thing. But I will say anybody who has any enthusiasm towards free Libra open source Linux BSD in any shape, way, or form, and you want to partake in this kind of thing that we call Linux for the rest of us, all you gotta do is ask, but I don't have the time to be the gatekeeper because I'm a jerk and I have no problem like spitting in people's faces, which is maybe one of the most disrespectful things you can do. Um, because I hate to say it, I'm old and I know things and I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know what's truth. I know what's facts. I know what's beliefs. Um, but if you want to just talk Linux, then the doors are wide open. Well, so are you saying that if uh, all things being what they are, if we actually were interested in setting something like this up again, you'd be on board? I'm on board for anything. Um, literally, Bruce, every couple of weeks I sit down and I like on a scratch pad, I put out another podcast idea. I've told more than a couple of people, look, if you want to do a podcast, just let me know when to show up. Um, I don't even care what the topic is. If you're looking for someone to just communicate with, challenge ideas, expose the ether that surrounds us all kind of thing that I'm game. Um, especially if we don't get to talk about religion, we don't talk about politics, and we don't talk about sex. That was the rule on Linux Basics, and this was back in 2008, I want to say. You could talk about anything, but not about religion, because as soon as you open your mouth about anything religion based, even if it's Thor, even it's the even if it's the spaghetti monster on the other side of the sun, you're going to find people that hate you and want to kill you over it. You don't you you never talk about religion. You never talk about sex. You never talk about any of that stuff because you will endow a certain amount of hate. If you want to talk technology and free labor, open source kind of things, I'm game. Well, I think one of the other things that we'd also need is we would need a producer. I, I can't stress how important it is to have um, a uh, third party involved in a way where you need somebody to direct traffic. You know, that is, that's one of the things, because for example, you know, right now you're totally carrying the show, you know, everything from the recording, the stream, uh, backups, the whole nine yards, even editing it down, uh, and coming up with the links. Now, over time, I know that's got to wear things down. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think that, you know, getting more people involved in that, that's, that's what I'm really looking at. You know, how do we get more people involved and interested in this kind of stuff? You know, I mean, it's out there. I mean, you can go to Reddit and see all these uh, subreddits on various uh, Linux distros and um, you know, you only need to go to Linux questions, you know, to see that it's a, after all this time, that forum is still going as strong today as it was even back in the stone age. So, um, it's just a matter of coordinating it. If we can find somebody who acts as an event coordinator, we're, we're effing gold. Yeah. Um, Alton Brown, who I think is a great entertainer said, uh, organization will set you free. And I think he's right. Now, the two quick tangents, I literally thought of doing a podcast, Bruce, 
of LennoxQuestions.org, where all I do is I just scour new postings for the last week that I don't think were answered properly and just read off those questions. And then that was it. And just end the podcast because there's never ending supply of people with interesting questions on that website Two, There's a link I have to mention because if I don't mention, it's not going to be at the top of the notes because I've always tried to put at the top of the notes, the links that I mentioned. Um, if you like money, I like money. Hi, my name is door door geek. I like money too. Uh, there's an article over at it's actually O S tech N I X. Okay. And, and it's about vert builder V I R T dash builder. Here's the long and the short of it. Okay. We have all these, Oh, hyper convergent solutions. Wow. Just saying that I think I lost a couple IQ points. Hyperconvergence is the technology that lays between virtualization, SANS, LANs, and web pages to where it allows people who don't know exactly how everything works to manage virtual high-end infrastructure. That's the best way I can put it. Okay. Every single one of these tools that I've seen, that I've gotten access to, that I've gotten a shell on, you know what I mean? I got access to that I shouldn't have. All of them are running Vertlib. Vertlib is one of the most powerful, potent virtual manager, virtual operating systems type ecosystems. Okay. So if you know Libvert and you understand how virtual machines interact with your hardware, if you then learn how to quickly build virtual machines using Vert Builder, I guarantee you this. You can get a job paying easily $140,000 to $180,000 a year and do 40 to 60 hours worth of work in less than six to eight hours. I dug into this command and I can tell you right now, this is the kind of uh, uh, dog and pony show. This is the kind of dancing you can do on stage that people will throw money at you incessantly because it's painfully obvious if you know how to build these kind of virtual machines in a semi-automatic fashion, you guarantee yourself a high-paying career for at least four to eight years. I have no problem in saying in 2008, Vertlib is still going to be a thing and still very valuable. So if you like money, you need to learn about this Vert-Builder. By any chance, is it anything like um, Chef or Puppet? Uh, it is more like rubber meets the road kind of thing. This is what Chef and Puppet and Ansible and all those communicate with on their back end to spawn up new sessions. Okay. In Chef, uh, Salt Stack, Ansible, all of them, they have templates where they call, okay, now use this template and build this virtual machine on demand because the processor went above 80% or the RAM went above 80% or the disk IO went above whatever percentage. So now we need more infrastructure to support the demand that's happening. All those tools, every single one of those tools uses lib dash vert on the back end. So it's like, here's what I love. When I work my nine to five, I love calling a user, a group, an administrator or a vendor on the outside and say, Hey, I see you're having a problem with this before they contact me and tell me there's a problem with my system. I'd go one layer deeper. Okay. 
With this, you can go one layer deeper and you can manipulate the virtual machines in such a way that you're basically becoming the Lord master of the domain of tools like Ansible, tools like Chef, tools like uh, SaltStack, all those, they all use this tool as one of their like main ways to get things done. Okay. That's, uh, um, uh, I totally get that part. You know, over the years, one of the things that uh, is really big is automation. And uh, for something like this, yeah, the more you know, the more money you make. Yeah, I think the magic word I use is orchestration. It is automation, but it's automation on a massive scale, whether it be, and it's really hard for me to express this in an audio podcast, whether it's horizontal or vertical. Horizontal means you have more IP addresses, more servers, more infrastructure supporting it. When you do vertical, you're basically just giving more resources to each individual unit. Using this kind of technology, you're able to incredibly control the horizontal and push out incredible amounts of infrastructure instantaneously. Okay. All of these tools that they use for their hyperconvergence takes time to process things where if you have the right monitoring in place and you know what you're doing, you can outgame the game. You can do better at managing your infrastructure than any hyperconvergence tool can ever do. This is the kind of way that you can get literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and literally retire from your job before you're like 40. Um, because you understand these kind of concepts and ideas so great. So I said it like 10 years ago, if you want to learn Linux, you're, you're guaranteed money. If you want to learn security, you're guaranteed money. Today in 2020, if you learn tools like this vert-builder, you're easily three to six months ahead of anybody else. Well, and just to give folks an idea too, so if you're a Windows administrator and you have a Linux background too, you can start commanding salaries of 170 and up because i know that you know the place i work at is an educational institution and that's they're not even going to meet that that was the requirement we got from a couple of the candidates when we were advertising a job like that a while ago ultimately we decided to drop the linux part and just get a windows admin for 120. <laughs> Now, one thing that I'd like to be able to uh, explore at some point, too, is uh, looking at um, um, AWS and Linux. Um, but we can have a conversation about that shortly. Um, okay. What I'll say is like this. I'm okay with talking about AWS. I'm okay with people learning AWS. I'm okay with people using AWS. But do you, do you remember, see, because you're like older like I am. Do you remember Acme Supermarket? No, I don't, but go ahead. ACME. Okay, I, now I know up in the northeastern part of the U.S., they're not franchise-friendly, is the way I'll put it. Um, There was a chain of supermarkets back in, I think, the late 70s, early 80s called Acme. Okay, and everybody swore these people are a monopoly. They're going to take over the world. There was congressional hearings how you have to kill these people because they're going to ruin all job, all employment, all they're ruining capitalism. They're just going to destroy everything. Um, and then if you just sit back and let time take their course, they become incredibly irrelevant. 
except in Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons they buy from the Acme Corporation. That's the only like relevance they have left. Um, I'm good with people learning about Amazon. I'm good with people using Amazon like a tool that they are. Um, but I'm pretty sure that it's not going to, in like the history of in the anvils of time, Amazon EC2 Elastic Cloud is going to be a blip and just go away because I don't think they're doing enough to remain modern. And now I say that because I've spoken to at least three or four people who work for Amazon as instructors who go and preach and teach everything about the Amazon elastic cloud infrastructure. And they see, and they privately said to me that how upset they were at the lack of innovation, how the system I'm teaching is the same system that's been around for like four plus years now. Four plus years ago, they were like seven years ahead of everybody else. So I understand the fact that they didn't feel the need to innovate, but every single second that passes, they need more to innovate. And as of right now, they're not doing it. Um, it's a great infrastructure to use as a tool for your career. Uh, but I encourage people don't rely on it being around for any length of time. You need to be smarter than them. Well, the reason why I brought it up, and your point, very valid. In fact, one of the things that we generally see a little more than we should are outages. Um, because one of the reasons why people joined AWS is to avoid them. Um, and it's interesting because, like I said, I think in the last uh, year I can name three separate times where an outage has occurred. And the not because of fallbacks or anything like that, but let's face it. The service was down, and for our business, that could be costly depending on the time of year. Moving along, though, the, the whole point of this was that um, I'm interested in exploring Linux on that platform because uh, another platform that we'll probably be looking at maybe in the near future, too, oddly enough, would be Azure, um, Microsoft's version of the cloud, because uh, with the announcement of collaboration with more open source um, software and projects. That's a thing now. And um, it would be exciting to move the conversation to those where it is. Uh, but you're right in the end. These are just blips in the, in the small long run that is history. But again, for now, it's relevant for the folks who are, who are working. Uh, I can't think of a business out there right now outside of even maybe a mom and pop store that isn't in one of the major uh, cloud platforms, whether it be Azure or AWS. Um, sure, at some point, Am I mean, um, IBM and their collaboration with Red Hat are going to offer. And again, we spoke about this a couple of months back, but um, IBM has changed their point of view. They want to innovate. They want to be the leaders now, not following up on things and not playing the catch-up game so um this could be a very big year and i don't know we'll we'll have to see how that plays out but we'll keep an eye on ibm i love the fact i just read a couple articles how um amazon is looking at taking over some insane percentage of malls because you know malls are dead there's a couple of youtube channels where all the guys do is they literally walk up to malls open the doors and walk through and they're completely abandoned. It's like something from a bad horror movie from the seventies. So Amazon is looking at the number of like, like the top three mall 
ownership companies in the U.S. and just taking them over, period. Um, I also read a good article with IBM and how IBM plans on destroying, not taking on, destroying Amazon. Um, I'm okay with both of them being successful because anytime companies are successful, the employees are the direct beneficiaries. And when you talk about companies interfacing with the public, consumers, they have to offer us something to be successful, which means we get things cheaper, quicker, and better. Um, while I'm not a fan of Jeff, in fact, I'm pretty sure I could take Jeff out. He might look muscular and tough. I'm pretty sure he's soft, like melted butter. Um, but I'm okay with him challenging people. I'm okay with them challenging infrastructures. Uh, IBM, here's the thing. We know who's in charge of Amazon. We know who's in charge of Microsoft. We know who's in charge of Facebook. We know who's in charge of all these companies. Do we know who's in charge of IBM? No. No, we don't. No. I do know that one, they have absorbed Jim Whitehurst, and that's not a bad thing because he is innovative. And have you noticed one thing with these big companies? Once you've stopped innovating, you start buying things. And, you know, maybe that's a signal. I mean, Amazon, Facebook, all of them, they're not really innovating. They're buying things. And then, of course, after they've uh, usurped the technology they went after, then they shut them down. Well, it's the old Microsoft Extend, Embrace, Extinguish, um, which I will say is a very successful platform to run. Um and yes, as far as I'm concerned, once you reach a certain level, a certain degree, a certain pinnacle of being a company, you have a choice to make. You either can just sit back, not innovate, cash in, cash out, kill the company, or start buying things that are about to compete with you, bring them in, thus making you a better, like, I don't want to say better, making you a more valuable company in the meantime. Hmm. Maybe it actually begs to the larger overall question, how many companies actually are innovating these days? And maybe that's the root of our economic problem. You know, we prop up so many businesses because they couldn't handle it on their own, despite the fact that this is supposed to be a an economy that's based on supply and demand. It is nothing to do with this. Adam Smith would not recognize our economy today. We run into a deficit, we start printing money. You know, there was a time there used to be a cost with that. And now they say the, the government can print as much money as it wants and inflation will not hit us. So that tells you a couple of things have gone wrong and your faith in the paper dollar as well. God, I love you, Bruce. Um, yes, Adam Smith, would, Adam Smith would not be able to recognize anything going on in 2020 anywhere because we are in the United States of America, the number one in air quotes economy in the world. Yet we're not a free enterprise, not even close to a free enterprise. You need a license to be a hairdresser. That's not free enterprise. Okay. We have social security, social, social security, social, social, social security. It's socialism. I don't know what we are. But we're some like deformed mutation of like of like the Goonies. Keep to the left, baby Ruth. We don't know what we are, okay? Because we're too busy trying to make each individual legislative 
lobbyist group happy. And I'm sure if Adam Smith or the founders or anybody would be reincarnated in 2020, they'd literally be like a, the movie half-baked and just hit and say, you snagged the bee. I don't, I don't understand anything that, that that's going on today because we are so disenfranchised, disjointed from anything that made sense yet somehow we haven't hit complete anarchy. We haven't like went on mass murdering homicide sprees. And here's the whole dirty secret, Bruce. I like really pissed one guy off on discord in the last week. Um, and I said, remember how, when we were young and we were like stress about world peace and how we needed to have world peace. Can you tell me right now, two countries that are killing one another? And they stopped and they paused. And I said, are there actually two countries right now killing each other? Cause I don't think so. I'm sure we have, you know, arguments. We have revolutions happening inside of companies like Belarus or countries like Belarus, but we don't have any actual wars going on. Maybe right now we are in the best time of world peace that's ever existed. Yeah, that could very well be, but we're also on the cusp of some very serious skirmishes because uh, there was a, actually an interesting uh, uh, conflict between India and China, of all things. Ding. Um, then, of course, Laos had reported that there were 260 China shipping vessels outside of their fishing waters. Um, so the encroachment begins, and uh, I think it's a... Uh, yeah, we are, we're definitely living in more interesting times, but anyway, I will, I will digress from that discussion. Well, I mean, you don't have to digress. And what I said to him was, it's not that we're getting along. It's not that everyone is kumbaya. You know, we're not holding hands and singing songs, but they're not killing each other. Yes, there's aggravation. Yes, there's tensions. India and China, India and Pakistan, China and everybody else, North Korea and everybody else, Russia. Um, um, I wanted to say Uzbekistan, but that's not the Ukraine. Every time a coworker who's from the Ukraine talks, I always call him a Russian. It really makes him mad. Um, there's tension. Look, there's tension. I know there's tension. There's tension between us and Canada. There's tension between us and Mexico. There's tension between us and Honduras. Um, perfection is unobtainable, but we're not actively, as far as I know, any one country sending troops to another country to actively kill other people of another country standing. We have the Afghanistan war, which is not really with Afghanistan, but you know, look, I'm not saying it's perfect, but God, man, it could be so much worse. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. We could have Hitler again. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Although there was a funny uh, interview on NPR earlier this week. Um, they were interviewing uh, the senator from South Carolina. And in summary, the guy goes, all right, well, let me understand. The interviewer goes, uh, so you've said that uh, Trump is Hitler. He goes, no, no, I did not. Let's be clear. I said he was Mussolini, not Hitler. <laughs> and like time, here's the whole thing, Bruce. Time is fascinating. Mussolini and Hitler wasn't that long ago. Um, it really wasn't. Um, humans change beliefs and feelings 
very quickly, but we have old stigmatisms that seem to stick around to where, dare I say, like, I, I, I remember telling coworkers, look, after World War II, you had to wait for a complete generation of people in Germany to die, to lose the mentality that what they were doing before the end of World War II was right. Um, and it wasn't that either one was right, wrong, good, or evil. It was just a belief system. Well, the worst part about it is that um, because their educational system has decided to minimize their role in World War II, uh, you see the rise of nationalism again in Germany. Um, and I, I fear for parts of this country, too, because, I mean, let's face it, the fact that we have neo-Nazis in this country is just mind-boggling because that's why their grandparents most likely fought in World War II, too, prohibit that kind of behavior but uh, this pandemic has certainly exposed a lot more than i'm comfortable with well i mean without getting too serious in the last week at the stonewall national uh park there was huh, confrontation is the nice way to put it um i'm okay with freedom i'm okay with the united states giving people the freedom to be as stupid as they want to be and for some people to take full advantage of such a thing i will paraphrase tracy holtz tracy holtz did his in air quotes time serving the military and he said i went into the military for people to have the freedom to express what they feel is right it doesn't matter if, it, if, if I agree with it. It doesn't matter if I think it's right. I'm okay with free speech, and I really got into a, like a shouting argument with, with my wife. I don't like censorship on any level because I like to be able to identify as quick as possible people who are racist, people who are jerks, people who are immoral, people who are unethical, and you only get like that incredible quick clarity when you have incredible freedom of speech um i'm okay with people saying stupid things i'm okay with people saying ignorant things i'm okay with people saying the wrong things but their freedom to say it stops at my ear that's where i'm a libertarian i also have the right to say something back to them um which just means you know a lot of things end up in shouting matches well and i think that's the biggest problem we've forgotten how to talk to each other We've forgotten how to debate, a clean debate without yelling, because the thing is, is everybody has a position, you know, whether it's right or wrong. That's why you hold debates and discussions in hopes to find a common ground. But today it's not about that. It's it's about divisiveness. It's about I'm right. And whatever you say, I've already discounted because you're just wrong. And that's it. And there'll be no more cause for discussion. And that's where we are both uh, politically and um, even more so in uh, even uh, uh, on a person-to-person level. Because like I said, one thing I did not expect this pandemic to highlight was how innately racist the country is when the day is done. And I, I find that really disturbing because, uh, you know, I did not expect it on the scale in our police force. And I support the police, but... Holy cow, some of the stuff that, you know, has been unearthed in the news and what you see when other folks take pictures and video of it and they post it, there's a lot of troubling stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, my dad tried to explain to me when I was younger, you take the word racism. There's not one type of racism. There's many types of racism. Um, and there's a broad spectrum of racism. There is better racism and there's worse racism. There are people who believe, yes, they should own companies. Yes, they should have jobs, but I don't want to deal with them. That's racism. Um, my wife, I tried to explain to her, look, if you jump ahead 200 years and you look at yourself, you're going to think, how dare that person used fossil fuels? They must have been an anti-environmentalist. Um, hindsight is always 2020. Um, don't judge people from the past as quickly as you knee-jerk reaction want to. Just because someone owned or dealt with the slave trade doesn't mean they're racist. It means they were just doing their part to survive and live. Okay, It's easy for us to look back and prejudge them. People who held genuinely good conversations, Bruce, I will say, was the TV show Firing Line with um, William F. Buckley, I believe was his name. I've watched maybe three or four seasons of that show, and I am shocked. I am shocked. I am genuinely shocked at the fact that these people genuinely disagree with each other, yet they have enough couth, enough compassion, enough dignity, enough, I don't even know what the right word is, but to just shut up and let the other person talk for a couple minutes. Um, some of the most eye-opening conversations I've ever heard in my life have been William F. Buckley and Firing Line because, not because I agree with them, but because I love the counter-arguments I'm hearing that make me at least stop and question my own beliefs. Oh, absolutely. You know, in fact, I find those uh, actually a lot more interesting than a lot of the shout-downs that we have on our, our news site today. Although I have to tell you, one of the funnier confrontations was actually not even a confrontation as much as it was an interview. Some idiot from Fox was interviewing Ted Koppel, and Ted, and they asked Ted Koppel, so you think that, um, you know, the stuff that I do is unnecessary? He goes, it's not only unnecessary, but it's an embarrassment to reporting. And, I mean, like anything else, as you get older, I suppose the filter goes away a lot easier. Uh, so good for Ted <laughs> letting Fox know that they suck. Yeah, and some of those older people, I'll say I didn't completely agree with when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I understand there's a certain amount of experience that those people talk with that I cannot say they're wrong. Um, I beg that it's going to happen again, that we're going to have a place and somebody who can moderate such discussions to where we remain adult. We remain, I don't want to say friendly, but we remain civil. It's not just about name calling. Just because you think of some good, fancy, funny, two-word rhyming thing to call somebody else, that doesn't mean you're right, okay? It just means you were witty to figure out some like catchphrase kind of thing. Um, and I will encourage people to literally check out old episodes of firing line with William F. Buckley. If you have a hard time finding them, let me know. I can get you added to a Plex library, at least as long as Plex exists to where you can watch them. And they are unbelievably eye opening. All right. Well, I think at that point, uh, I think we're at the one hour and 10 minute mark. So this might be a, an opportunity to jump off and save stuff for our next show. Okay, well, the one thing I have to mention, because Jonathan's not here, and it's a link called Cloud Encryption is Worthless. 
click here to see why, which is like uh, it, it, it just like screams of clickbaity, uh, but it's true. And the only reason I knew it was true before I even clicked anything was on Microsoft SQL servers, we have a technology we can use called TDE. I don't even know what it stands for. Total data encryption, something, something, I don't know, whatever. But I knew very early in its usage that it was completely worthless because what it means is, is when I do a backup and I do a restoration, it's completely encrypted. Well, an attacker is never going to take a backup and restore it. So you're really <laughs> only protecting the data in like one twentieth of what is considered vulnerable. Um, there's no doubt anything stored on almost any cloud server is completely in the clear and not secure. If now, if you use a cloud system that you cannot send a password reset to, then you have the possibility of it being extremely secure. And then I ask everybody to stop and think, tell me one service you subscribe to that you cannot send a password reset to. I'm waiting Linux for the rest of us at you know, podcast at Linux for the rest of us.com. There's an extremely small handful of sites and services where you cannot send a password reset to those extremely small, limited numbers of services are the only services that exist that have the possibility of actually being secure. Nothing else is secure. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, I've, I'm almost giving up on both security and my own privacy. <laughs> well, look, there's no absolute. I'm never going to be completely private, but I can choose what is public. I can choose what is private with security. There are certain accounts. I don't care if they get pwned. There are certain accounts. I try to do more due diligence to make sure they're not pwned. Well, and on that note, I've got nothing more. Okay, well, I will say if anyone wants to communicate with us directly, it's very easy. Podcast at LinuxForTheRestOfUs.com, or you can send us a voicemail at 7076-PODNUT. Or if you want to shoot the network an email, it's mail at podnuts.com. If you want to shoot me a person an email, it's DoorToDoorGeek at gmail.com. If people want to follow you, Bruce, what's the easiest way? Um, DistroWatchBruce at gmail.com. And I tell you, Bruce, uh, DistroWatch is to me still one of the most beloved websites I have at my resource because I know it's in it's close to unbiased that I can get review on distributions and what they include. Oh, and you know Jesse Smith is uh, is a stand up guy. I mean, he is just some, one of the nicest people you will ever ever meet. And uh, you're right; I think people get a fair shot at when uh, when uh, he's reviewing their distro. He just sticks with the facts, and that's all you need to do. Yeah, and I'll say if Jesse ever runs for office, I'll happily work for free on his campaign because they're obviously good people. Uh, I want to thank everyone for downloading. I want to thank everyone for subscribing. And do not forget, leaving a review on any platform supports the platform. It never supports the show. If you want to support the show, share the link to an episode to friends of family that you think would actually benefit from listening to such a thing. Now, never, ever, ever forget, if you do not have root, you really don't know who does. 